you have reached the cell phone of Gabriel Rutledge. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Gabe. It's Casey. Gabe. What's up? What's up? <laughs> I love, uh, this has happened twice now, where I've called somebody for a podcast and I got to listen to their outgoing message. I don't even know what it is. It just says, you have reached the cell phone of Gabriel Rutledge. That's it? That's it. Oh. <laughs> I kind of like Be- it. Believe it or not, Gabe is at home. <laughs> uh, and it's also fun to get it. As long as it doesn't say your phone number, I'm going to include it on the podcast. <laughs> okay, I got no problem with that. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, Harry Riley's, by the way is insane it's like it's it's harry ridley's is the one where you know he has an adult child and no other job because it's like <laughs> I, th- I think they might even reference like he might be out killing someone or something in it. there's something fucking wild in it that i can't remember goodness um this is the first uh first time i've ever recorded a podcast with someone actively painting yeah you know it's uh I'm multitasking. I, you know, I have uh, children, and and when you have children, what you say is you go like, you know what? When they go back to school, I'm gonna do this, and then that list gets bigger and fucking bigger, and then they went to school this week, and I'm like, son of a bitch, <laughs> <laughs> I have to paint the kitchen. I'm a. I would not guess that you're like a big home projects guy you are correct uh paint this is about this is about the as technical as i can do painting is pretty pretty easy uh like even my neighbor growing up my parents neighbor i guess he he owned a house painting business and he he said he said in two years you're a master painter wow (laughs) He's like, that's all there is to it. Uh, But yeah, this is about my level. No, I'm so, my dad uh, still to this day, like fixes everything that breaks in my house. And like, it just didn't rub off. I have an entire childhood of him fixing things while I helped in quotes, you know, while he would be like, hand me the seven sixteenths. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I have basically the same ex- my dad is a uh my dad was a contractor like a carpenter uh, he's still alive but he's retired uh he's got like you know he's rebuilt car engines and shit like that and i feel like there's a a generational gap my dad's 67 and i feel like maybe you're the first generation that just doesn't know how to do anything my generation doesn't know how to do anything either there's a few in my generation who do, and but yeah, that's going away. It's definitely going away, and it's in some ways it's like uh, it's not our fault, it, just because everything's so computerized and automated yeah. and disposable. And but it is, it's uh, it's funny though. I had I had a problem with my car recently, and I was telling my dad about it, kind of like fishing it out there, like, hey, maybe you could help me out. And he goes, yeah, you should take it in. They can hook that up to the computer and get it figured out pretty easy. I'm like, oh, (laughs) all right. Okay, 74-year-old dad, you're done. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my my dad, he's 
like basically like I can stand and watch you climb a ladder if you'd like, or uh, <laughs> you can hire somebody to, to do this. He did. I will say he was pretty instrumental. My dad was a, a remodel contractor for a lot of his career for specifically houses that were built in the early 1900s. And, uh, which around here, like that would be a, a too niche of a thing. If his thing was like, if he lived in like, I don't know, a fucking suburb, that's like a recent housing development, but in Seattle, yeah. Tacoma, there's a lot of houses of that age. And so oh, for sure. I'm very lucky because while we were buying a house, our house is a hundred and our house is built in 1908. And, uh, he went through one inspection failed because my dad was there with the inspector. <laughs> and then this uh, most recent one, I sent him like or the house we ended up actually buying. He was like pretty good at like, oh yeah, this you'll have to do this eventually. This is a problem with these old houses. This looks like it's in good shape, etc. So, um, I but, ex- I so admire that. I mean, it's such a like, you know, it, both of our uh, wives are in uh, education, and like mm-hmm. one of the one of the things. I always joke about my wife with is like, people are like my, you know, whatever, my daughter uh, learns differently. And I always say to my wife, yeah, they're dumb. <laughs> like that's what dumb is. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it is absolutely true that there are different kinds of intelligence because like, I have the kind of brain that like even Ikea directions or whatever, it's, it's a day. Yeah. That's a fucking project. And it's, and it's, so people who just figure shit out mm-hmm. mechanically, I'm like, you're a genius. You're an absolute genius. Yeah. I used to work manual labor a little bit. I worked at a, um, I worked, I installed truck canopies. My, my first job out of high school, my first full-time job, literally the day I turned 18, I started working full-time at this place where I was, uh, assembling holsters. So this is like, it's tools and shit like that. It's not like plastic injection. Okay. Right, 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 right. So it's, you know, there's tools and it's like the first time I ever experienced, I didn't know what Loctite was at the time. Still don't. Yeah. I've done a lot of, I've never used it since then. Maybe that's why all the fucking bolts in my house are just constantly coming out. Uh, But yeah, I've had like a lot of learning on the job. So I worked at a canopy place and I like, you know, learned how to use a, uh, like nomadic fucking uh, drill or whatever. Like I learned a lot of stuff on the fly. Then I worked at a, a box factory for a while. And I remember uh, when I finally got an office job and I wasn't working on like the production floor anymore, going like all this stuff that I've learned over the last, I was 25, all the stuff I've learned over the last seven years since I turned 18 is fucking useless to me now. Yeah. And I kind of get how people are like, yeah, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking journeyman carpenter and it's destroying my body. But what I'm going to, I'm going to go like that whole, like learn to code thing. I mean, I did genuinely learn to code, but also fuck you. Cause I also learned to read a tape measure. And I know a lot of motherfuckers that know how to code that can't read a tape measure. Sure. Um, did, so you were like all of your. Cause I'm, I'm, I think you and I have a similar, like I learned some stuff and so I can pretend pretty well to be a man, but there's stuff that I don't know. Like there's just stuff where I'm like, uh, like any plumbing, any electrical can fuck off. I don't want to touch any of that stuff. Uh, any like, um, insulation, fuck that 
roof any ladders i don't want to fuck with the ladder oh i'm not no i'm out i'm out on ladders I, my wife is much better at fixing shit than i am because i'm a feminist i think mm-hmm. i'm not sure i think that's uh, what the definition is <laughs> you do it baby i believe in your species, your species. Uh, i do like when dudes call uh women a different species that's good that's what feminists do yes exactly right. <laughs> Are you Mars or Venus? I can't. One of those <laughs> bitches. You know what I mean? They're just. <laughs> We've podcasted. Re- I think you were the last podcast and we re- went pretty hard on women. Sky waitresses, as you called. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a thing I said. Anyway, though, your wife fixes everything. because. Oh, you're not yeah, yeah. She's. Yeah, that's. You know, I have had some. Uh, I had brief. Like kind of manual labor jobs, but mostly restaurant stuff, uh, which is its own. It's hard work, but it's not like fixing things. You know, it's it's a different kind of uh, hard work. It's not mechanical or technical, really. But uh, yeah, I just but it's also like I just don't. Uh, you know, like in po- <laughs> this is a weird thing. in poker, they talk about selective aggression. Sure. <laughs> That's how I feel about I just have the personality where I'm like, I'm only going to work hard at the things I like to do. I am not, I am not, I'll go, you know what I mean? So like, Hey, I'm good at this. I'm going all in. Mm-hmm. I ha- I have the cards in this. I'm going all in everything. I'm folding the rest of my life. I'm folding. I'm all in in comedy. I'm all in and like trying to stay married and be a parent, but like everything else is like, I don't even want to bring in new skills. I think I'm done. Yeah. That's, I was thinking today about how, like I have, skills but i i'm like pretty certain i have adhd like you know like okay. every, i think a lot of people do and i know there's, sure. it was like eight years ago it was like the trendy thing was to self-diagnose adhd and now that i'm doing it when it's nobody cares about adhd anymore that's how you know i really mean it yeah but i also just, am what's that it's not a trend anymore yeah. so it's, you're allowed yeah, this is like, I'm like uh, becoming, I'm like still a Linkin Park fan in this analogy. You know what I mean? <laughs> By the way, uh, that's like my, I actually do like Linkin Park. And I I never know where those music trends are going. Like I, I fucking listen to the shit out of uh, Linkin Park. And now I'm like, oh, fuck, we all hate them. We decided we all hate Lincoln Park. Like, who are all these people? Did everyone that liked Lincoln Park die, or are you all just fucking frauds? <laughs> well, I see that was a little after my time, because you know that was like whatever. I graduated in '92, so that was like all post grunge yeah. sort of rap metal, and so I dismissed all of that stuff, kind of like Limp Biscuit or whatever. But sure. like later in life, my son started watching YouTube videos that had like rock songs to them like when he was a kid and lincoln park was on there and i was like you know what <laughs> this ain't big i get it like i yeah. try so hard i'm like i do try hard <laughs> like i <laughs> this guy gets me <laughs> yeah i guess like i my thing with it so i'll never say i'm a, i'm trying to work on a bit about how i don't like music because of this exact reason, it's like it's so annoying to, to like music because eventually yeah. you have to denounce everything that you liked three years earlier. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I, they're like fine, they're like good. I at, at a point, I think Hybrid Theory, which was their debut album, was like good. You, you'd probably, you know, you could throw that on for a 
a not very relaxing listen if you wanted to. <laughs> for a for a tense dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not a, one thing about it is you'll never be like in a in like a classic uh you'll never be like drinking a coffee at a sad diner with Lincoln Park <laughs> blasting in the background. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And that's that's definitely an age. There's an age thing also where you're like, well, there's an age thing where you go, all music's kind of good. Eventually mm-hmm. you just go, it's all yeah, country. I get it. Or or stuff that you didn't like during your time later is nostalgic. So you're like, yeah, I love this song, even though I hated that song in 98 or whatever. Yeah. But but it is uh, there's something about just slowing it down, like fucking. I swear to God, I turned thirty five and I heard a James Taylor song, and I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. Mine All was right. uh, Miles Davis. Oh sure. I was like, couldn't give a shit about Miles Davis. Never, uh, never liked or cared about a single Miles Davis song. And then actually, I heard a podcast featuring uh, Wilfred Padua. And he was talking about the album Blue. Uh, no, the album is called something in blue or something like that. But the song is called Blue and Green. And it's like the exact kind of like uh, horn-driven jazz that I like. Like sad. like uh, yeah. Not like on the verge of suicide, but like have cried recently sad, you know? <laughs> that kind is of that jazz. A, is is that kind a Spotify of... playlist? Has <laughs> cried recently? <laughs> But so anyway, I have, uh, I think I have ADHD as we've <laughs> We have proved it. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking today about, because my, my only reason, I'm like, I have a family history of heart disease. I have like a borderline hypertension, uh, which has got to be a shock to anybody who's seen my body and the pictures of all the meat that I cook. Got to be a real <laughs> surprise. Um, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to throw stimulants into my body. So do I just have to live with an entire life? of never completing a project that I'm not passionate about. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked, dude. It's fucked. I'm it like, is fucked. My wife is like, what? Like this is a good example. Is my wife, uh, when we do like yesterday, so she just started school. I think your, your wife probably just started school yeah. again also. And I tried to be like the last two days, be like, be like very uh, supportive as a husband. So the first day she came home, I already had dinner cooked. Uh, I bought her like a six pack of beer and a card. Very sweet, Gabe. I'm very, very interested in remaining married also. And then yesterday, uh, she was, she like wanted to have, she has a friend that's a teacher. They wanted to go out to dinner. So I like picked up my daughter from daycare, took care of all the stuff and I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, um, the dishes and my wife walks in the room. This is after I've made an effort to be like you know, whatever helpful. And she goes, can I just do that? I'm going to do it so much faster than you. And she's right. Like, I don't know why, but doing the dishes, I'll find 75 reasons to not do the dishes. The moment I put my hand under hot water. Yeah. I think that's because my wife has ADHD, uh, diagnosed, uh, so cool. Yeah, you know what? She she's got a letter from her doctor that she put on her sweatshirt she wears around <laughs> just, to let, <laughs> just to let people know what's up. Uh that's exactly it's like she has these um the day-to-day like she's she's a messy person, 
But it's the reason she's messy is because I don't want to just pick it up. I want to reorganize her whole house. Right. That's what she, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just like surface clean this. I'm going to reorganize her whole house, but then she never does. Right. So, you know, it's, it's that, uh, but you know, if it's, it's, it's not all bad. It depends how it's affecting your life, but it is it is one of those things where it's like, um, I know some artist types are afraid of being medicated for various things, but yeah, I know I, I know like I've taken Adderall once recreationally in my life, and I loved it so fucking much that I'm like <laughs> I'm terrified that I'll yeah. never be able. To, I'll be I'll be 63 years old just snorting Adderall uh, to you know be able to fucking have a conversation with my family. Um, that's yeah. That's like a, I. I also like my. It's funny. I've as you get older, you start to forgive people for things like um, sure, like in your case, Lincoln Park for making incredible music. Uh, <laughs> but for me, like like I'm uh, I'm similar to your wife in that regard. And what I've noticed is like what I will do is I will like go on Amazon for example, and I'm like you know I want to try this thing, uh, like with a podcast or with a video, like a comedy video and I'll buy like a single cable and then it'll come in. I will have forgotten that this was even a desire that I had. My wife will get her hands on the package. It sits for long enough that she just opens it and then puts the thing away somewhere. (laughs) And I have no idea where it's at. And then six months later I'll be like, Oh, you know, and I'll like have the idea again order the same cable <laughs> again. <clears throat> My wife will open the package and she's like, why the fuck did you order this again? I already, you haven't even opened the original one that you bought and now you bought a second one. And I'm like, oh, where is the original one? And they, there's been times, I'm not kidding, where there's like four of the same cable. I have, I realize I have four of the same cable. And so I used to be like, my wife, uh, my wife puts shit away, and I have no idea where it's at. Now I'm like, oh no, I'm the problem in this. There's no doubt that I am yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'm the one causing this problem. Well, it's interesting because I think you share that. I share with you obsession. <clears throat> like if you get an idea in your head, you're the obsession. Yeah. I share that with you. But one thing my wife does is there, she always seems to feel like there's a product that's going to change everything. <laughs> Like if I could just get this, whether it's whatever, a dishwasher or a different kind of dishwasher or a certain thing for curly hair that she has, or like, it's just like, if I, this is it, I just ordered this, it's going to change everything. She says it jokingly now that it's going to change everything, but she kind of feels it, you know? Yeah. I have that with, uh, and this is not going to surprise you, but I have it with microphones. Sure. And it's, I will say there's like a thing about microphones to me. That, by the way, this might be diagnosing me with a different spectrum type disorder, but uh, the I really like the like, well, what does this one sound like? Like, I really enjoy the experience of listening to a new microphone. I would have done, done much better financially to just like rent them from Guitar Center. Sure. I, sure. I will say like I end up, you know, I usually have because I'm so obsessed with microphones, I've. Uh, in fact, by the way, I'm literally recording this on a different microphone than I've ever recorded a podcast before. So, uh, it's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. People are going to be like, uh, the content of that podcast, mediocre, but did you hear the sound quality? I could hear the paintbrush strokes. <laughs> yeah, my microphone extends onto your side. Actually. <laughs> That's how good it is. Uh, 
No, that yeah, I I like you know I like the I like the like kind of tinkering shit. I definitely like tinkering, and your wife probably, uh, but it, actually that's kind of funny. I like tinkering, but not with like car engines or something like that. I think it, yeah. there's you could do this thing that I do, and that it sounds like maybe your wife does, and maybe you do to a much less financially devastating degree with just about <laughs> everything. Like I've I picked up golf, and I'm like constantly like, huh, what could I? What? How could I spend a small amount of money to make my golf game a little bit better? And then I just spend so much small, so many small sums that it's like I could have just probably paid a thousand dollars for lessons and been right. way better off. But I wouldn't have all this shit that I'll never use again. <laughs> yep. Um. Okay. Well, this is it. I actually wanted to talk to you about your. Uh, you recently got passed at the Comedy Cellar. You talked about it on your podcast, The Drive Home. Yeah. I have some questions about the experience. Not really sure. of like, not that nothing that you didn't cover, by the way. It was like, I was, I thought it was really awesome the way that you talked about it on the podcast. Uh, that, and everybody should go listen to that. And you played the set at the end, which I praised you for. You fucking annihilated. Oh, thank you, buddy. Yeah, the the I mean, and, the, and like it's funny because, and I said this to you, but I'm, I'll say it for the the folks listening is, uh, I was listening to your jokes, and I've heard your jokes so many times that I'm like familiar with them as though they were my own jokes, right? Sure. Yeah. And you're telling a joke about Coinstar, and I'm like, and you say this in the in the podcast, but I'm like, is this gonna work? With these, it, like, as though New York is France and they speak a different language. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, because I'll have that experience when I'm like, I'm like, I go to fucking Oklahoma. And I'm like, is my metropolitan liberal pussy act going to work with these hardworking Oklahomans? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, you mean the people that fucking love comedy enough to go to a comedy club to spend $100? Are they going to appreciate what everyone else in my life has, you know, every, like these jokes that have been tested in front of hundreds of different types of comedy audiences? Yeah, I think they'll be okay. And yeah, and I, I did that. I definitely, uh, <clears throat> I definitely got, <laughs> well, I, I always call it being up my own asshole, but I, I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely was like, think, I mean, look, that particular, that Coinstar joke, like I did it in Canada and it did not work. Uh, yeah. so it's not, it's not without precedent that it wouldn't, but again, it's like, yeah, I'm like, well, that joke work in New York, uh, as if it was a foreign land, but it's also like, there's different things. New York city is like, it's a lot of driving jokes would be weird because sure. they don't, people don't drive there. Just like they take their subway jokes to Seattle and people go, oh, that's probably funny, I guess. Right. You know? So, but I definitely, uh, I, I try not to overthink it too much. I basically was just trying to do something that equaled uh, <laughs> five minutes. Um, That's but yeah, the other was, thing, too, is I've never seen you do, even at open mics, the rare time that I've seen you at open mics, you're always doing 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that. So the idea of you confining yourself to five minutes was very interesting to me. Haven't done it in a while. Uh, contests back in the day and sure. stuff. Sure. Uh, I haven't, but I, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I had to uh, try to pack it into five. Um, and it's hard, you know, that's inside comedy shit, but it's hard because it's like, in some ways, just doing your first five minutes you normally do would feel the best, but you're like, that's not what I want to, that's not necessarily what I want to showcase. So then you're like, do I do 
kind of part of a couple of different bits because to make it fit in time and then you're like chopping shit apart it's it's harder than you would think yeah uh to 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 get that five um well and also you're a comic that like you do callbacks in your act and so there's like maybe lines that would crush that in some yeah. jokes that if you did them later in your set you could call back to an earlier joke in the set but if you're doing five minutes you're either like kind of potentially trying to shoehorn the call back in yep. or yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's very complex and you, you fit like a fucking pile of punchlines into that. Sure. Well, that's sort of why, you know, in the, uh, that's why I've had some success in comedy competitions, I think is because I, I, it's just, it's just five minutes of like, I mean, I didn't count, but it's just like, okay, I'm going to cram without it sounding rushed. And I kind of go fast anyway, but it's like, I, I'm going to cram 20 minutes of, of laughter into this five minutes. I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> so I am, I'm used to that idea. And it's, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I was nervous. I was more hyped than nervous. I was more just adrenaline than like fear, but it was like, it's a sold out comedy club. Yeah. Like that might not make sense to people who don't do comedy, but what makes us nervous is three people in a room, of course. not, not a packed, I don't know what it is, 120, 150 people. It's like, Oh, this is like ideal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that really, that really chilled me out a little bit where I was like, I'm, you know, I just, uh, this is going to go good to great. That's my first thought when I walked in, you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing about that is when you get to go and you're not first on the show and you get to go see, you're like in that ideal environment as this is my experience. Anyway, the times when I'm nervous, it's really rare that I have to go first on a show now, luckily. And the times when I'm nervous, it's like just hearing that the crowd is capable of laughing. Yes. Again, it's like stupid. It's like, of course they're capable. These people paid money to go to a comedy club. Of course they're capable of laughing, but I need to be convinced sometimes. Yeah. And it, at the comedy cellar, it's like these people, a lot of them are on vacation. They wanted to come here because of its legendary status. They had to either wait in line for a long time or pre get reservations a long time ago. It's like, they're, they all had to put their cell phones in a bag, so there's like not even a distraction. It's yeah. like they're they're as hyped as I am. Yeah. The audience, the audience, and me were both like, I can't fucking believe we're in the comedy cellar. You yeah, know? well, and I get like, you know, sometimes what I'll have that that you did not have there is like I'll be. <clears throat> what I've noticed is there will be like, you know, I'll open for like a TikTok person, and I'll notice in the way the crowd laughs, like, oh, you guys aren't comedy people, you're. TikTok people, you laugh at weird spots and don't laugh at spots that a normal traditional yeah. comedy audience would laugh at. And in this case, this isn't anyone's crowd. This is the comedy seller's crowd. They're yeah. not coming to see any of the comedians on the show. They're coming to be at the comedy seller with the assumption that the list is curated in a way that's what made yep. this club legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. And it's, uh, and it's also, it's, there's no, um, I think I'm saying I'm, you know, I live in Olympia, Washington, but what people tell me is <laughs> like, also New York is much more like the New York scene is much more sort of punchline 
heavy. Sure. And then the, the LA scene is much more like, I don't know, it's not one man show, like a lot of act outs sure. and that kind of stuff. So I actually, you know, the more New York people talk to me about New York crowds, I'm like, oh, I'm fucking made for this shit. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I'm like, uh, so I was, I, I definitely was, uh, it, uh, you know, it, no matter what level of thing you're trying to do, you always have that moment right before it happens where you just go, oh, I just have to go do comedy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, I mean, I, like I've, you know, I did a, the largest crowd I've ever done was 800 people. And I remember my, my wife asked me, she's like, are you nervous? And I'm like, no, not, not even a little bit nervous yeah. because if I bomb, there's probably still a hundred people laughing. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what did you, so I, the other thing that's kind of funny is I've spent a lot of time with you traveling, uh, but mostly like regional Northwest stuff. We did just do, uh, Louisville together and mm -hmm. it's. Louisville was the first time I think I ever saw you like truly in the wild. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like okay. without, without, there was no, uh, maybe it's the first time we've ever done a show at a place and then you didn't have to drive. I mean, we were like a block away from the hotel. Yeah. And first off, you got a, I saw you catch probably the most significant buzz I've seen. And we've drank together. Uh, yeah. and I think maybe the, the most buzzed I've ever seen you. I'm using buzzed cause that sounds less irresponsible. <laughs> um, yeah. One night in particular in, uh, Louisville was one of those nights where I'm like, I don't remember going back to the hotel. I don't remember going to bed. Like, like oh, that kind hilarious. of, that kind of night. I was, I did escort you. I thought you were escorting me, but we were escorting each other back. Cause I was also very drunk that night. And uh, I was waking. The only thing that saved me is I was waking up to play golf at seven in the morning the next oh, yeah. day. So I woke up, by the way, uh, still very intoxicated. Um, but so imagining you in New York, because I've seen you in Olympia, obviously, and then places like Grants Pass, Oregon, sure, or sure. as you as you pointed out. Your first, your prior show to that was you and I doing a backyard in Mount Vernon. We've done uh -huh. a lot of backyards. These are like not, you know, fucking cramped basements, hip comedy clubs in New York. <laughs> and also they're not like adjacent to the, in my opinion, New York has the best food in the world. It's like there's inside of Manhattan, there's like different cultures in different parts of Manhattan. And then there's also these other boroughs and shit. So what did you do while you were in New York is my question. I'm getting, it was a long way to get there, but what did you do? Uh, well, first time, the first night I got there, I actually, cause I got in, I, I performed the cellar Friday and I got in Thursday night. And then, um, so I was so exhausted cause I, I'd only been back from the middle East for like a week. Right. Uh, I had a flight in between also to Chicago. So I was like, I was just exhausted. So I slept about 10 hours, 11 hours. And then uh, I did a, uh, I did go to one place that was really good called, uh, oh shit, some Jacob's Pickles, I think oh, it's yeah. called, but, but it's a restaurant also. But uh, I, I recorded a podcast with someone on, uh, on that Friday. And then I did the show and then I, went to Boston the next day. So honestly, I did not do that many uh, New York type things. 
Damn. But I will say next time, like I I have to figure out some uh, some uh, transportation, some subway, that kind of shit, because the cost of Ubers for those two days was insane. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, you can get you can get a like an unlimited. And by the way, this is me trying to talk to you as though I'm a New Yorker. I've been there uh, 10 days of my entire life. <laughs> but uh, you can get an MTA, like, week-long unlimited pass. For, I want to say it's like 35 bucks. It's probably more now with inflation and time. Uh, but And the subway you can do on Google Maps. Yeah, I'm going to have to because that, uh, that got nutty. Uh, but, I, you know, it, it was like... Even from I flew into Newark and it was like, you can take this train, you go to this, you take a bus. I'm like, fuck that. I'm taking an Uber. It was like 70 bucks. You know, I'm like, uh-huh. Jesus. Uh, so if I'm going to, I'm already planning and going back in October. Um, and I'm like, I can't, if I'm going to start doing this semi regularly, I can't just Uber the whole, it's yeah. already at a best a break even. But yeah. can I, can I, can I tell you one of the, uh, this is like uh, sort of the, the nuts and bolts or the how of what I have to do to get back is it's like since I passed, that means <clears throat> I can like send my avails to the booker and then they, you know, they have three clubs actually. They have uh, one around each corner. They have the comedy village underground and they have fat, fat black, black pussycat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and so potentially, you know, it could be two or three shows a night, uh, right. 70, 75 bucks a set, you know, uh, but it's like, so it's only a week in advance that you could submit avails, which means what I have to do oh, fuck. is pick a time I think I can do it, buy the flights, hope she says yes. If she says no, then I'll just like roll the flights over into something else. Yeah. But, but it's like, it's, it's like, it's kind of hard to like, uh, it's not the most practical setup, but it's like, fuck man, I can't not go. Yeah. Well, and can I say, uh, this is going to sound, uh, potentially condescending. I think you'll understand that I don't mean it that way, but I'm actually really proud of you for doing this because it's not something that like has, it's not going to have an immediate financial impact on your no. career. Probably if anything, like getting past, will probably lose you money over the next couple of years. Uh, right. But it's like one, it's just so fucking cool. And two is like, this is, you know, it's the, I, I actually, Andrew rivers and I were talking and he said a thing that I think is like a perfect description of it, but like every, thing you do is like it's a lottery ticket and this lottery tickets may be a little more fruitful like the jackpots higher at this place than at uh on tiktok or whatever and it's yeah it's just fucking awesome that you're like it's like it's like you're investing in your career it's like very fucking cool to me that you did this that it worked out and then you're gonna keep doing it sure hopefully you'll get in you know at the the Vegas club and it'll be like fruitful financially. But yeah. I think that there's almost certainly going to be downstream positives to this. And it, but it's, you know, it requires like patience and commitment to fucking doing this. 
Yeah, it it, it does. And it's also, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I ran into a bunch of people that I haven't seen in years in New York. And a lot of people, um, <laughs> like, like the normal process for getting a comedy seller audition is someone has to recommend you, I think. Yeah. And so everyone's like, who recommended you? And no one is the answer to that. I had literally, I just sent an email to try to work Vegas that had a clip. So I, I feel like I bypassed a bunch of steps doing that. I, you know, she's, she's never not responded to one of my emails. It, it, five hours is the longest it's taken. God, that's so fucking amazing. It's, it's fucking insane. <laughs> I just, I just sent her one. Cause she's like, send me an email with, uh, you know, your website, your phone number, that kind of stuff. So like I can be on the calendar and all that shit. If, if I have things and I said, you know, I, I would like to work Vegas. She's like, I'll get back to you about that. Let me know when you're going to be here. You know, an hour after I emailed, you know, it's like, yeah. it's insane. It's insane to me. Um, so it's like, I, uh, look, she liked the video. So yeah, that's on me. She looked at a video and she thought it was funny and that helped me get the audition. But I have had, I have not had a lot of times in my career where I feel like I've had what you would call a lucky break. Uh -huh. This is fucking one of them. This is one of them. Like this, look, it's not luck. If my video sucked, she would have right. never responded. But at the same time, it's like this was not on my radar. This was not a thing I was trying to do. And it just sort of fell out of the sky. Do you want to audition at the Comedy Cellar? And so I, I feel an obligation to uh, to do it. I feel, an you know, I can't move. Everyone I talk to is like, so the kids can move. They'll be fine. I'm like, I'm not moving. I'm not fucking moving to New York, you know? Yeah. But but it's, yeah, I want to see where it goes. And maybe it's nowhere. And maybe it's, but whatever. It's like, at the very least, I want to do sets there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now that I won't be like terrified and just... <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it yeah um but yeah it's a play like you th the simplest way to think of it i think for me is like you know you kill a lot in the northwest people go man that guy's good he kills a lot uh do you want to work this casino uh do you want to do you want to work this backyard it's not nothing it leads to work people say really nice things about me you kill a bunch of times at the comedy cellar that that might be that might be a late night audition. That might right. be how many comedy, how many comedy shows have taped at the comedy cellar? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's just all the possibilities are so much bigger than my normal world is. That's what it feels like. It feels like my world. I flew back with an expanded comedy universe. Do you know what I mean? It's just like so many more possibilities. Yeah. Uh, and so it, look, maybe I go a few times. Zero happens. Uh, fine. But, you know, I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to try. Yeah, I think that's that's like uh, exactly you're when you're doing a comedy show in the Northwest, like the best case scenario is that somebody who wants to book you on a private gig is in the audience. And you <laughs> yeah. could have fucking Judd Apatow in the back or, you know, you could have fucking I mean, there's like, yeah, I'm not to not to. Not to even go through. I mean, you, there's there's TV shows. There's late night. There's fucking so much stuff. Yeah, that's that's really fucking amazing. And uh, 
Yeah, man, I'm just I'm so happy for you for it. It's funny to be like, I'm so happy for you for this thing that's probably gonna at like if it if it breaks even, it still means you're probably losing weekends on the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, the the benefit of it is is that club is open seven days a week. True. So like my the next time I'm going, I'm trying to do like Monday Monday to Wednesday. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, so uh. But also, I'm going to bring something that no one else brings <clears throat> to the Comedy Cellar, and that's merch. I have T-shirts available. <laughs> no, I'm not doing. I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's also, by the way, like it's a place where you could potentially like. There's the they have the multiple clubs, and you could be yeah. like, "Hey, I want to run my fucking whatever my I you know can I do my fucking my new hour <clears throat> here yeah. in a place." Manhattan where there's you know not only tons of people but there's uh there's like the shows will probably just sell out because they're at the comedy cellar they the, to watch that operation in action is amazing there's a line around the corner there you got to show your phone in the bag there's three shows going at once they're all sold out every fucking day it's insane yeah well and what's really amazing about it from a comics perspective is a lot of times You'll be on like the comics will be on the seven thirty show at one place, the eight o'clock show at the other place, yep. eight, and then the eight thirty show at the other place. Like they're you know doing, you're actually like kind of on all three shows in the same time slot. You're just like the sets are staggered between them so that so that you could do all three. You know maybe not you, certainly not me. But when I was when I've looked at lineups when we've been out there to go yeah. see shows, a lot of times people are on. Like literally the the whatever the early show on both venues, which is fucking that's like, and I think you share this with me. I, I want to do a lot of fucking shows. Whenever yeah. like what I love about comedy club weekends is you get to do five or six shows in three or four days, and you get to like really fucking work on material. You get to hone, uh, hone jokes, hone a set, whatever. And that's like it's harder to do when it's you're like, I mean, especially when you're driving in between when you're driving even if you do like a weekend where there's three shows and three nights and you're headlining you're driving potentially three or four hours in between shows and it's just not the same experience and what you're doing is like potentially the ultimate honing material situation where you could do five sets in one night and never have to leave a two block radius well and it's also like, look, it's going to be a long time before I do would do new stuff there. Sure, <laughs> sure. But, but I can also, uh, I can definitely do different stuff constantly. Yeah. Uh, and w- one thing that's amazing, I I'm too scared to even bring it up yet because it was my audition. But you can get video from any set you do. Yeah. And to just to have, uh, just to have uh, that. You know, to, to put up a video on YouTube or Instagram with a comedy seller backdrop is pretty fucking nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, in Seattle, how many comics have had historically that uh, Jai Tai background? Yeah. And that's, yeah, that- that's our, I mean, that's like the closest thing we have to that, really. And it's, uh, again, because there's like video available. And yeah, that's obviously significantly cooler to have the comedy seller background. I'm also I'm also excited to like you know once I get whatever my schedule will be it's like <clears throat> if if there's time and I assume there will be 
it's it's like what there's other clubs in new york city and it's like now that i can go like you know if i'm talking to the stand or whatever and i'm like i'm past at the cellar i think that's a lot more heat than like i'm just in town (laughs) yeah of course yeah not not only do they not want to miss out on you but it's like they uh probably by the time you've worked at the cellar a couple times you'll have people that you uh that you know who also work at the stand yeah absolutely yeah so that's uh it's all it's all exciting and it's you know the actual practical application of how it's going to happen is kind of complicated i didn't want to be gone more but uh it's it's you know i talked to my wife and She's been here since uh, <laughs> not even day one of comedy. Uh, sure. d- day one minus five years because uh, that's how long we've been together before I even married. I think before we even I even started it. God, that really is. My wife and I were together for five years, not married, before I started comedy. Also, that makes me feel a lot better. Uh, is that right? Yeah, I think it's about. I think that's about right. I think I got the math right on that. Yeah, and so and so she's like. You know, she's like, you have to do it. Even yeah. money-wise, it's like, look, I do fine. I do better than I used to, but it's like, I get so scared about, because I've we've been super broke before, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I get scared about, like, credit card debt and things like that. But then <laughs> if you just zoom back and you go like, oh, you had a chance to do a bunch of sets at the Comedy Cellar, but you didn't want to go $2,000 in debt. I'm just throwing that number out there. Sure. But it's just like, that's stupid. You gotta, you have to do it. You have to do it. You know what I mean? So I, I've had, I had my struggles with uh, fear of success. I've had my struggles with things like that. But I just, um, I, uh, I'm not feeling that right now. I'm not feeling. I'm not. I don't have a wild expectation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like here we go Netflix special. But I'm also like whatever a netflix special in a weird way is a, is closer than it was two weeks ago it's yeah. still not cl- it's still not close but it's like you know what i mean it's it's uh like i said a, a sort of universe expanding moment and there's not a ton there's so much uh there's not that many moments that are like a win in comedy like a sports sort of win yeah you <laughs> you can win a contest uh you can pass an audition you can get selected to do something but most of the time it's just like that was a really good show i feel like i'm getting better it's like vague accomplishments yeah well and even when you You do get it it's like like i'll have stuff where i was thinking about the stuff that i've done that's been an obvious win after listening to your podcast and it's like i did a guest spot and i got booked by some people because they saw me do that guest spot but it was weeks or months later that they i like that it came around and I still had to ask or whatever, but it's like, I can actually draw a direct line. It's rare. You can draw a direct line to like, this is the win. This, this is a win. And that was the time when I won. But even then a lot of times it's like, you don't know you're winning when it's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 A thousand percent. And also it's so sometimes the rejections are so much that you forget at every level, it's like, you, you know, you might be like, oh, this club won't work me. That club won't work me. But if, if oh, you you've listened two- to this podcast before, <laughs> this, isn't that the name of the podcast clubs that won't work me? <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, that would probably be very well listened to. Actually, that, That's but, funny. Uh, it's if you two years ago, well, even taking COVID out of it, 
uh, you two years ago, if you're like, this is how far you're going to be in comedy, you'd be like, that's fucking great. Right. But in the middle of it, you're like, ah, oh, it's not where I want it to be. It's this, it's the beauty and the agony of comedy is you're never where you want to be. And there's, there's beauty to that, but it's also, it's hard to stick to take stock. And, you know, some of the, I'm a national touring headliner. Sure. I do a bunch of bullshit around where I live, but like, that's, I, I try not to forget that. Cause that's all I ever wanted. Yeah. You know, that's all I ever wanted. And it's, it's, it's hard to like, uh, it's hard to like constantly take stock. And then also let's bring COVID into it. Early 2021, I was still delivering groceries for Walmart. Right. So a year and a half later, I got passed at the fucking comedy cellar. It's like, man, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I didn't see at a, at a time I didn't know what coming back to comedy full time was even going to mean. Am I still going to be busy? And then, uh, yes, I am busy and really exciting things are happening. It's like, I'm not taking that for granted either. You know? Yeah. Two years ago, you probably could not have even imagined the course of events that would lead to that. And now it's, no. it is a reality. Yeah. All right. One last thing before, uh, we end this. I've had this experience, and maybe you're having the most drastic version of it I've ever heard of. Uh, sometimes I will have like a very great show, and it was more pronounced when I worked in an office, but I would have a really great show, and I would come into work, and I would be like, these motherfuckers have no idea that I'm like a fucking rock star. Like, if they would have seen me last night, they'd be like, why would you even come into the office and then by the way i've also had other times where i have a bad show and i come in and i'm like thank god these people weren't here and this job is here for me to fucking continue to make a living because i gotta quit comedy like i'm fucking so bad but you go from getting past at the most prestigious club in the country and i don't feel bad about saying that it's the most prestigious club in my opinion the i mean it, like i know that people love the comedy store but you and I both, I think, admire New York comics over LA comics. Um, Absolutely. And so, the most, it is the mecca. You get past there, and then you are in Olympia, Washington, painting your own kitchen while your children are at school. <laughs> Have you considered letting your wife and kids know how well you did at the comedy cellar? You know, it's interesting. Well, first of all, when I got home, I didn't, my wife was very busy. She was doing stuff with the kids. They were out of town. We didn't, hadn't had a lot of chance to talk. And she started telling me something about one of the kids, not, you know, not good news, nothing serious, but just like parent bitching. And I go, you know what? Can we wait? <laughs> can we, can I have like two hours of, uh, of just like I'm home? from a, an amazing trip and then we will get right back into their shit. I promise. Uh, so that I, I did have some moments. I mean, that's life, right? You something great happens and you got to paint the fucking kitchen, but it's also, it's, this is, you know, I, I have a, I love my wife. I have children. I own a house. It's like this whole life that I want, but it's also when you're in New York, none of those people are around you're listening to people talk about their life and there, there was two comics talking about, Oh, I just taped Colbert and it sucked because the audience is over here and you know, they're having these conversations and there's a, there is a part of me that goes, 
in a different world, in a different scenario, like that should have been me. Like sure. if I would have just, if, if I would have moved here five years into comedy or again, I don't even time machine. I don't want to do that. I like the life I have now. There's things that are important to me beyond comedy, but it's also like, ah, oh, fuck man. Like I just, it, if you, <laughs> if you're funny in Seattle or Louisville or Dallas, you're for the most part, you're also funny in New York City or LA. And so you just it's just that realization of like, man, I don't I wonder what my life would be like when you when I see people who are at my level funny wise, below my level funny wise, and it's like agents, managers, I write for this TV show, that kind right, of shit. Right. So there is a part of me that's like, man, different scenario, who the fuck knows what I could have become. Uh, and then the other part of me is like, I appreciate my life so much and uh, that it's like, oh, well, oh, oh, fucking well, you know, I, I did. I did a show at the Comedy Cellar and my next show is a fundraiser where 300 cops are going to be there in the back room of a casino. And I'm like, it's all comedy. It all counts. Fuck it. I'm going to send. Like you asked for before we started recording this, I'll clip that last part about loving your family and send it to your wife. Please. <laughs> All right, I'm going to end it there. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to move to New York. I need this. <laughs> I did. I will say I. Uh, I got a. Uh, what I believe is like a false a false flag email from my uh, comedy contest that I'll tell you about later. And uh, but I got it while I was out with my wife, daughter. And brother-in-law and my sister. I'm trying to remember everyone was there. Anyways, I got it and I showed my wife and she was like, oh, that's so cool. And she said a thing she's never said before. This is the, literally, these words are the most supportive I've supported in comedy I've ever felt. She goes, where would we have to move if you won that one? Not, (laughs) which is a stark contrast from, we're not fucking moving. Which is what I've heard yeah, most yeah, of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. by the way, <laughs> even if I was the best comic in this contest, my suspicion is that I am not qualified in many ways to win this contest. But uh and yeah. but anyway. All right, I'm gonna hang up the phone and I'll I'll send you the contest it is so that it, it we I don't have to leave you <laughs> okay. leave you not caring about it uh, without knowing. And uh thanks again for doing it. And again, congratulations. I'm so thanks, happy buddy. for you.